orbiting around us right now are hundreds of communications satellites. These amazing technological marvels are used on a daily basis to help troops on the ground communicate, families connect phone calls, grant internet access, and even provide television and news. They help span communications across the globe, and as complex as they may be, we find there are hackers among them. Pirate radio operators abusing these satellites for their own personal gain. Join me as we dive in with Blatt, a Russian radio geek who has lived in various parts of Brazil during the 90s and has come in close contact with many SATCOM pirates. He's a knowledgeable radio amateur and electronics engineer who has been monitoring military satellite communications for years. His understanding of the language used by many SATCOM pirates has allowed him to gain a keen understanding and insight to how the SATCOM underground works. The following is an extract of what he told us. Read by an anonymous voice artist to protect his identity, he asked to never be contacted about this again. He's currently living somewhere in the Middle East in the satellite industry and is an active amateur satellite operator. You're listening to After the Show, the Signals Everywhere podcast. Before we get started, Vlad, I want to genuinely thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing the story with the community. It's not every day that you run into somebody who has been able to get so close to the SATCOM piracy underground. I guess the best place to start um, is really with your story. How did you get started in the satellite industry and how did you end up where you are now? It's all started back in 90s. I was a teenager living in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, specifically after the fall of the Soviet Union. My father was a merchant. We settled in the middle of Copacabana. Both my father and I had love for radio. My father was a ham in Brazil and Russia. I got into computers and CB radio, and through that I started hearing about satellite Bolina. Bolina was as very secretive in 19th. I was introduced to it during a trip to Fabelia. I noticed a helical antenna pointing to the sky and someone talking on a VHF rig to Paraguay. No way you can reach Paraguay on VHF. I talked with the guy who was a severe and he told me that he was bouncing his signal from a satellite. To my 15 years old self, it was like something from a science fiction movie. Someone with a simple VHF rig getting into a stationary satellite. Yeah, I mean, it really is just amazing to find out what you can do uh, and what you can listen to even. Um, not even talking about the piracy aspect, just the fact that you can listen into a geostationary satellite. And I'm sure back then it was probably a lot harder than it is today. I mean, I can throw out a whip antenna or a simple directional antenna to a software-defined radio, and I can listen to just about anything, assuming it's not encrypted. Um, obviously, you wanted to find more answers. So, you know, how did you go about uh, really learning uh, the things that you did? I started asking around the amateur radio community. It seems taboo, and I was told not to get into it. Then I met an older ham who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Great Elmer, and he told me a bit of history of SETCOM. Back in 18s, war and drugs was on its peak in the South American jungles. Contras, mercenaries, CAA, SAD, DAR, British SAS were working with governments to get rid of communism and drugs. Allegedly loyal parties were given modified ICOM rigs that were able to reach flying repeaters. Those flying repeaters turned out to be SETCOMs. Back in the 18th, everything was on the clear. The noise floor was lower, so with the receiver someone found out military transmissions were coming from the sky. In some moment, one of those rigs reached some technician, who was able to receive engineer the airplane cracks. He started to sell modified radios to narcos, loggers, trackers, 
and someone in rural Brazil take in consideration that Brazil back in those days was pretty uncivilized and rural areas were dangerous. Just look to VIPs from Avenger Mora and you will see that Brazil looked like in the 19th. Brazilians are a bit outlaws. Before that comes the big thing, VCP radios with upper and lower channels, kilowatt amplifiers were the norm. Then suddenly radios with no coverage gap, no propagation problems were available for anyone with money. And here comes the crazy thing, narcos, paras and landlords were the first ones pirating the satellites. Setcom transporters were saturated with lingo, obscure cozy words, this time not coming from military commanders, but from knuckles and indigenous borders. Brazil was a wild place. The cheapest way to get into satellites was using a mixer for RX and quasi-resonant converter to filter out the second VHF harmonic. You know, it's really astounding to think too, especially for that region in this era, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, to think that you went from having, uh, you know, a region that had almost no proper radio communications, no cellular communications. Like you said, you know, a lot of people are using CB or other, you know, radio communications like VHF, which is obviously very limited in its range, to suddenly now they have access to a satellite. Um, and all they really need is enough money to pick up a modified receiver, trans or excuse me, a modified transceiver. And, you know, of course, if they have the know-how, they could build it themselves. And so it's just crazy to think that you went from almost no communication to suddenly the entire region is capable of communicating with each other. And it could be friends and family. It could be truckers. Like you said, it could be narcos with, uh, you know, for those not familiar, uh, we're basically talking drug runners, you know, running cocaine and stuff back and forth through the country. And it's just crazy to think how quickly this happened. And not only are they hijacking a satellite, they were actually hijacking U.S. government satellites. At the time, this was the FleetSat constellation. Uh, this was a Department of Defense project that was set up for government communication for the United States troops. And so at the time, this was FleetSat. And today, this constellation is actually being replaced with uh, the UFO system. Uh, it's actually uh, standing for the ultra-high frequency follow-on satellite system. And while this does have some higher frequency band transponders on board, it also replaces the UHF transponders that began to fail in the old FleetSat system. But these satellites are still very much alive. And now obviously hijacking a government satellite is going to get you some attention. And that doesn't matter if you're just somebody at home, somebody who happens to just be a truck driver, or of course, if you're running drugs, you're definitely gonna have some government eyes on you. Um, you know, what happened moving forward with uh, satellite piracy uh, from this point. Until the mid-2000 piracy was rampant. Until one day in 2007. I was on a trip in Europe, checking the EREC SETCOM monitoring channel, and suddenly someone mentioned it, that a crackdown on pirate satellites users was going on in Brazil. I called from a payphone to my ham friends in Brazil. It's a 2007. Skype was crappy back then, and traveling with a cell phone wasn't as normal as today. He tells me that raids were conducted by Anatel, like FCC on Kebrinha. These guys are brutal. They simultaneously raided pirates on various cities. Thanks to satellite-based Doppler direction finding and on-the-foot intelligence. They confiscated radios and booked a lot of pirates. 
I returned to my home in Panama after a few days, turned on my FRG 19600 receiver, and said Convolt that checking my antennas even borrowed a AR 3000 to check if my receiver was dead. Carriers, as usual, were present on a fleet broadcast channel, but no activity for a couple of weeks. The pirates were gone, but not for much time. With the time, the pirates repopulated the satellites. In this time, using every transporter available, even losing their etiquette and insulating legitimate stations on the 401 net. This is a military channel. Please get off this channel. This is a military channel. Please get off this channel. You are interrupting military operations. Please get off this channel. Stay off the radio. This is a military channel. Stay off the radio. Now Santcoms was even worse than before. The Brazilian flag motto says, Odin e progresso, which roughly translates as order and progress. When it comes to airwaves, it's nowhere near ordered. But progress comes in the form of technological development. All right, so I know what you guys have to be thinking at this point. Brosev, how in the world are you telling me that a United States government satellite sponsored by the Department of Defense has been illegally pirated and hijacked from the mid-80s all the way to today? Now, you've got to be kidding me. These things have to be more secure than that, right? Well, that's certainly what I thought when I first got into radio communications and really piqued an interest in satellite communications as well. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at it from a logistical standpoint, these satellites are going to be in orbit for a very long time, and they need to be flexible. One of the most flexible things you can do with a satellite is use something known as bent pipe technology, or a bent linear transponder. Essentially, the idea is you create a satellite that will take in an uplink frequency, and then on the output, relay that information regardless of what modulation it is. So it can be AM, it can be FM, it could be sideband, it could be just about anything. And if it hears it on the uplink, it sends it back down on the downlink. It is honestly like having 30 or more repeaters in the sky in a set location, all with their own sets of uplink and downlink frequencies or repeater input and output frequencies. The difference with a bent pipe uh, transponder satellite, however, is that they are completely linear. So like I said, they don't care what modulation comes into it, which makes them extremely flexible. These can be used in communication satellites, broadcast television satellites, and many other satellite services. The idea here being, especially in the case of security, you have to consider this satellite once launched into orbit isn't going anywhere anytime soon. They're gonna have a 10, 20, maybe 30 year lifespan in orbit, and if, for example, you have a satellite that uses a certain type of encryption and all of a sudden you find out that encryption has been broken or someone has cracked it, you can't just fix that satellite. You can't just launch a new one. It's not really a trivial process to get something into orbit. So by making the satellite linear, you allow the option for the user to apply their encryption to their own audio before transmitting it into the satellite. And this makes it very simple for, you know, troops on the ground or other satellite users to use whatever type of encoding, modulation, or format that they need for their services. However, on the downside, 
This makes them extremely susceptible to piracy, especially the UHF satellites, whose frequencies are low enough that modified amateur radio equipment is really all you need to get into it, assuming you know what you're doing to move those frequencies where they need to be, and assuming you have the knowledge to find the uplink frequencies that correspond with the various downlink frequencies. This is essentially what people in Brazil were doing. They were sweeping frequencies that they believed to be in the uplink range while monitoring what they believed to be the downlink range, and they were waiting to see if their signal popped up on the downlink. If it did, they knew that they found a working uplink and downlink pair that they could use to actively pirate access on the satellite. And this doesn't just happen for UHF satcoms. This happens in the L-band for things like Immersat and many other satellites like broadcast satellite television as well. There have even been instances where people have hijacked television signals going to broadcast satellites and replaced it with their own video. So by making a satellite this way, it really makes it incredibly flexible for the end user to do what they need to with it. It helps prevent you from needing to completely replace a satellite in orbit if your protocol modulation or some other format changes, but it does unfortunately leave you very susceptible to piracy and hijacking of any sort. Essentially, as long as you have equipment capable of transmitting in the right band and you can figure out what frequency it's gonna come back down on, you're able to access the satellite, and it's really crazy to think that there's all of these flying repeaters in the air that, if you know where to look, they can be easily accessed. It's, it's just really crazy to think. And while on the subject of how these linear transponders can be used to transmit any type of modulation or formatted data, I kind of want to bring up the note of stenography. And so we didn't really get a chance to record this with the voiceover artist for Blatt, but we did talk about it a bit on the side, and for many of those who may have been monitoring uh, military SATCOM over the years, you may have run into slow scan television or SSTV. Oftentimes on these pirated satellites, you'll see images of children that are being uh, sent out over the satellite, and it's always kind of odd to see something like this. And Platt has suggested to me that this is actually a form of stenography. Uh, for those of you not familiar, stenography is essentially the idea of implanting data other than images uh, within a photo. So essentially, you can take an image and add text or something else to it, maybe encrypted text even, and then you take that image and you send it out over the satellite um, as a photo. And so once the other person that's looking for that particular message finds that image on the satellite transponder, they can decode that image back into a photo from the audio that was created, and then they can decode that photo to pull out the stenography or the text that had been encoded inside the image, allowing people to pass encrypted or encoded messages over the satellite without it being extremely obvious what the contents of that message might be. In addition to this, we've talked about previously in this podcast about L-band piracy as well, essentially using services like Immersat to pass similar pirated uh, messages over a satellite transponder. In the case of Immersat, um, from what I've gathered talking to Blatt over the past few weeks, it appears that there is actually people using DMR so that they can encrypt their voice using DMR um, secure formats and sending that over the satellite instead using an up converter to get into the L-band that the downlinks of which are at about one and a half gigahertz. So it is a much higher frequency and the uplinks are at an even higher frequency than that. So 
it's certainly not as easy for somebody to get into as, say, a UHF transponder in the case of the follow-on or fleet sat, uh, satellites, but it's something that uh, apparently is beginning to gain more and more ground. So it's really interesting, especially us as radio communications enthusiasts and software-defined radio operators, uh, to be able to listen into these satellites and these various frequencies and just see what we find. Um, sometimes you'll run into, uh, you know, military audio. Maybe you'll hear something that's just encrypted. You can't make anything out of it. But maybe you'll hear a pirate. Maybe you'll hear something just odd or interesting. Maybe you'll find your own stenography encoded image. Uh, there's really no limit to what's out there. And there's no way we'll ever know unless we take the time to take a listen ourselves. And with all that being said, I'd like to thank Blatt for taking the time over the past few weeks here to share his story with us, as well as the anonymous uh, voiceover artist who provided the voiceover reading for us. And of course, a big shout out goes over to Solarix.net. Solarix was very kind to uh, actually allow me to take some of the SATCOM recordings that he has collected over the years and allow me to use them as samples in this podcast. So you've heard many of those such as the 401 net activity that you heard earlier in the podcast. Uh, he's been doing this for many years. You may want to check him out at solarix.net. That's S-O-L-A-R-I-X.net. And he does both SATCOM and HF logging of uh, military and other interesting communications that he has heard uh, over the radio. So uh, big shout out to him. I really do appreciate it. And of course, if you'd like to find out any more information, including show notes about this particular episode of the podcast, head over to signalseverywhere.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast or the YouTube channel, head over to signalseverywhere.com slash Patreon, where you can help support the channel and the show at the same time. With as little as a dollar per month, you guys really help me out. And I give you guys early access to all of the podcast and YouTube videos that I do. And if you decide to pay a little bit more per month, you also get behind the scenes and some other interesting perks and benefits that go along with your support. So... I greatly appreciate all of you for taking the time and listening to this podcast, and I hope to see you all in the next one.